Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, why would he delight it? Because he's the one creating them. He's the one opening the door. He's the one closing the door. He's the one changing your circumstances. So he wants you on his path. He knows exactly how he wants to use it. And a path for all of us is different. I mean, many things the same, but basically he's going to use this. So as we begin this journey from 37 to 50, chapter 50, you're going to see God directing Joseph by the details of life. Do you get frustrated with the direction your life seems to have taken? Maybe you're in what you consider a dead-end job with no prospects for advancement, or your employer just doesn't like you. Pastor Mark will be teaching about someone who was disliked by all of his brothers, which caused them to do a terrible thing to him. As the teaching progresses, you'll learn how God, who had a plan for that young man, wasn't taken by surprise by what happened to this kid. You'll find out the secret to staying in the will of God which will certainly be helpful to you with your troubles. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 37. As he begins his message, Joseph, favored son, is sold into slavery. It's a very difficult book to find. It's the first book in the Bible. So you can turn to Genesis chapter 37. It'll be right there in front of you. And we're going to just have a great time going through the word. What does this mean to you? God at work in the details of our life. God at work opening, closing doors, giving us divine appointments, Allowing the circumstances that we're in, realizing, well, that wasn't me. That was God's working in the details of my life. Let me share with you how that works. Not long ago, Linda and I were flying. And sometimes when we fly, because I fly quite often, usually 50,000 miles a year at admissions and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they'll upgrade you, never in a long trip, just a short one. Uh, They'll upgrade you to business. So we got on the plane, and they upgraded me to business. And my wife's back in economy, where I was supposed to be as well. And I said, honey, I'm going to put you up in my seat in business. And I did that because I like points at home, to be honest with you. (laughs) So she went up to business, had a nice lunch, big seat. I went back to the middle row in economy with crackers. Now... And I was praising the Lord. Well, while we were flying, there was a lady next to me. I'm in the middle. And 
she just began talking to me, and I began talking to her, really, to start, because I'm not sure. She, half the time when you get an airplane, you put the earplugs in, they mean, like, shut up. I'm not interested in talking to you. She was open. And she had this interesting background. Her dad was Jewish, her mother was Catholic, and she had married a Baptist. I'm thinking, <laughs> whoa, that's quite interesting. So we began talking, and I talked about an hour and a half to her. And God just opened the doors, and it was just talking about her family and whatever, and all kind of health things she had, where she was spiritually. At the end of that whole time, basically I said, because she had a lot of physical things, I said, would you let me just to quietly pray right here for you physically? Oh, would you please, Pastor? Oh, that'd be great. So I prayed with her. And then just before we left, I said to her, have you ever really had a personal relationship with God? She said, yes, but thank you for being here. Because it reminded me to get plugged in again. I've kind of got away and all kind of stuff. And as she stood up, we get our luggage down. She just gives me this big hug and she's crying like crazy. And I went, wow, that was like a coincidence. Uh, No, that was a divine appointment. That was a what? A detail in my life that God was working. So I got off and I met my wife. I said, how was the meal and all that kind of stuff, you know, and whatever. And I said, I told her what I did. And she says, Oh, I sat next to a Jehovah Witness woman. (laughs) And so I said, okay, what did you say to her? She said, well, she was already ready for me. You can't believe that Bible. That's not the good Bible. She said, no, the Bible I use is the right. And so she went through the whole deal. So when you see all of that, that was another what? Accident? No, that was a divine appointment. Now, we learned a principle that God is so much interested in all of us. Let me read it to you, Psalm 139. David writes this. You saw me before I was born. Speaking about God. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Think of that. God has amazing plans for us. And Paul writes in Ephesians, for we are God's workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you and I were born, God already planned the details of our lives. Now, let me share this with you. Most of the time, God is in the, let me just write it like this, in the background of our life. He's rearranging, arranging, opening doors, closing doors. Very often, we're not even aware of it, but he's working in the background of our lives. And as this is going on, we see here that God planned the details of your life, my life, before we were born. He has a purpose for us. He wants to accomplish his plans and purpose. So we learned this verse, and it's hugely important for us in this teaching on Joseph. Take a look. Psalm 37, 23. Watch this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Again, this is only for believers. He delights, say it with me now. Come on, everybody, hear me. He delights in every details of their life. He delights it. Now, why would he delight it? Because he's the one creating them. He's the one opening the door. He's the one closing the door. He's the one changing your circumstances. So he wants you on his path. He knows exactly how he wants to use it. And a path for all of us is different. I mean, many things the same, but basically he's going to use this. So as we begin this journey from 37 to 50, chapter 50, you're going to see God directing Joseph by the details of life. I'm going to mention many of them to you today. So here we begin. Genesis 37, 
1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them, about his brothers. So Joseph is at 17. He's an apprentice. He doesn't really understand everything, obviously, about the flocks. So he's out there working with his brothers. And he notices something in their work habits. We're not told. We don't even know what it really is, whether they weren't paying attention to the sheep or whatever, abusing them. Who who knows what it is? But he brings back a bad report of his brother's work habits to his father. Now, was that the right thing to do or not? Well, the danger of that is what? You're a little tattletale. You're, but you're going to see it's going to get a lot worse than that. So we don't know if that was the right thing to do or he was just trying to make sure that the sheep were taken care of. We don't really know. But here's where we get a problem. Look at verse 3. Now, Israel, when you see Israel here, it's not talking about the country. It's talking about Jacob. Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And then he made an ornate robe for him. So Joseph ends up being the favorite son of his father, Jacob, because Jacob was older, and Rachel, his wife, that was the firstborn son for Rachel, because before she couldn't have children. So this is the first son. So he becomes a special, special son. It was known in the family that Rachel and Joseph loved him more than the other brothers. Can you see a problem starting to come? Okay, there it is. Now, the special robe was given to Joseph. That robe was not just a robe. None of the other brothers had one. That robe shouted to his brothers. That's dad's favorite. But worse than that, it shouted this. He would be given all the benefits when dad died. He would be, well, the firstborn was always given. It should have been Reuben, but now he's going to get those. So the brothers are going, well, that isn't right. I mean, he's 17. This is crazy. Now, how are the brothers going to react? You can already imagine. Now, look at verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And they could not speak a kind word to him at all. Now, we begin to see in this home that this home is going to be dysfunctional. Now, that word shouldn't surprise you. Every person I'm speaking to, we're imperfect people. Every home is a dysfunctional home in some way or another. All of us. But some of them way worse, and you see it here. Now, what we'll discover is Jacob himself came from a dysfunctional home when his father, Isaiah, favored his twin brother, Esau, and his mother, favored Jacob. So here's this 
dysfunctional pattern following into the new home of Jacob. Eventually, I'm going to talk about generational curses, and it comes up in the scripture. See, many people think this. Let me give you an example. You say to somebody, well, why are you angry all the time? Well, my dad was angry. And somebody else said to one of the dogs, why are you gossiping all the time? Well, my mom gossiped. I just, that was passed on in my DNA. I'll get angry all I want to do, and I'll gossip all I want. I can't do anything about it. It was given to me by my parents. Many people use that as an excuse. And we're going to tell you that generational curses stop immediately you become a believer. You don't have to copy anybody else. You're a new creation. So we'll talk about it. Some of you won't like that because you've been using it all your life. Sorry, get real. Get real, okay? So into this home comes this dysfunctionality. It's crazy. It's not only that. Jacob learns from this, but he brings these troubles into his own home. He passes it on. Not only, here's what happened. Jacob wanted a wife. So he goes to his uncle, and he works seven years for the wife he wants, Rachel. But this guy is a deceitful guy. And on the night that he gets married, they're in the room. It's dark. There's not, you know, lights on and everything. And he wakes up in the morning and he got the older sister that was ugly. How about that for a wake up call in the morning? So he goes, he says, what, what are you doing to me? And he says, well, I have to get rid of my older daughter first. And so he says, well, I want Rachel. I'm falling in love with Rachel. Well, you have to work another seven years. So it worked 14 years for two wives. Already we see a problem, don't we? It's not biblical, of course, and there's going to have two. One's enough. Two is crazy. But then what happens is Leah starts pumping out children like crazy. And Rachel can't have any children. So he gets two servants, kind of concubines. And he adds them. So now that home has two wives and two concubines. And now we have 12 boys and a girl. You think there's problems? Oh, it's just starting. Now, here's the favorite son. So I want to tell you this because it may sound strange to you, but I want you to read this statement. Parents, this is for you. Love and treat all your children as equals. There's no place for favoritism. Now you say, well, Pastor Mike, Right, we did favor one of the children, and it's too late, they're grown. You know, it's not a bad thing to just say to that person that you kind of didn't favor. Mom and dad were wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Because, see, if people are the second, third, fourth, fifth child and not really favored, does that follow them in their life? Oh, it follows them all over the place. They get angry. They get, what happened to me? Why that? You're going to see this from the brothers. Say what? The young guy at 17 is one? And by the way, quite often, it is the young baby that now gets to be that special person. Parents, don't do that. That's not biblical at all. Now, as I was getting ready to come to church at five minutes before I was leaving home, and God gave me this illustration, and I think it's purposeful for all of us. Some of you sitting here, and you were an unfavored child. You weren't the one. You might have been down third place, fourth place, depending on the size of your family. You just weren't the one. And you have carried that hurt all these years. You don't talk about it, but it affected your esteem, how you are. 
really, from my home. My parents really didn't. I mean, it was okay. I was in the home. They loved me. They didn't beat me. But I, I just wasn't really loved like the others. I want to say something to you. If that's you, and I'm not asking anybody to raise any hands, none of that. I'm just saying this to you. If that's you, leave it in the church today and walk out of here. Why should I do that? Here's what God told me. If you're a Christian, you're a son and daughter of God. And he has no favorites. We're all equal. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're all equal. Come on, turn to your neighbor. We're all equal. That's exactly right. So that's why you can leave it here, because God loves you just like everybody else. And that will release a bondage in your life. God gave that to me as I walked out the door. That's for some people. You don't have to tell anybody. Just leave it here. Amen? Okay. Now, what is this marriage thing all about? Well, it's certainly not to be for women. That's unbiblical right from the start. God designed the home to be the foundation of our society. It's a place where God should rule. And you're going to see there's a place kind of here where it does, but then other times it doesn't. Notice this verse from Psalms. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders, the husband and the wife, labor in vain. So I want to ask you, those of you that are married and you have a home or your grandparents, whatever, ask yourself this. Look at Selah. It means stop and think about it. Is your home directed by God? See, when we do premarital, we never marry a couple if one's a believer and the other one isn't a believer. We never marry the couple. Now, we're not harsh with them. We just tell them this is unbiblical. Can two walk together and they agree? No, they cannot. And so we'd kindly show them to the scriptures because that's what God always told us. And there needs to be two believers that make a marriage. Well, later on, after you think about that, there's going to be problems if they're not walking the same path. And already it's going to be a dysfunctional home, and many of them never last. That's why we've been doing that, and almost every evangelical church does that. We want the other person who's not a believer, give time, don't rush your marriage, let them become a believer, let's see if it's real, and go on and walk with God. Now, here's the next question. If that home is directed by God, remember, a home is not a twosome, it's a threesome. God at the top, husband that loves God, and a wife that loves God. If that's happening, what comes next? Look at here. If so, there'll be unity, love, and peace in a home. So now we're beginning to see, because of the favoritism, none of those things are really in the home. None of those things are in the home. So it's going to get worse. Watch what happens in verse 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. And while your sheaves gathered around mine, here's the words, and bowed down to it. Here's a picture of what that kind of would have looked like. Take a look at this. There's this little 17-year-old, and he says, I got this dream from God. And what he's saying is, in the future... All of you are going to bow down to me. How's that going to go over? This little 17-year-old wimp up there, 
with all the big brothers? You're going to submit to me, Joseph says. That's it. By the way, this was a dream from God. And it will come true. As we go through the chapters, you'll see this happens. Now, look at the response in verse 8. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. So we're not doing well. We're getting hate, more hate, more, more, more hate because of the dreaming, what he'd said. Now, here's a question. None of us can answer it. Should Joseph have shared that dream? Some of you will say no. Others say, well, it's from God. Sure. But sometimes God gives us a dream. By the way, God still gives dreams today. And we're going to see in the last part, in the book of Acts, in the last days, there'll be more dreams and visions given to people. But the careful thing is, I've learned from my life, if God gives me a dream and he wants me to share it with somebody, I usually ask. But very often, you know, when God gives you a dream or insight, it's just for you to keep to yourself. But Joseph goes and he does it, maybe because he's immature, maybe because he's insensitive, he's prideful. I don't really know. But look at verse 9. Then he had another dream. And he told his, to his brothers, listen, I had another dream. What are they thinking right now? Say, what? Tired of the first one. I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, the brothers, sun and the moon's mom and dad, were bowing down to me. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I, your parents, and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So there's a picture of what God gave. These were dreams that were from God. They will be fulfilled. Joseph has no clue of the time. Neither does the parents or the brothers. Now, these dreams were arranged by God because when Joseph becomes on that roller coaster of life, when he hits some down places, we're going to see some down places today. He's going to think to himself, where is God? What am I doing here? And I've been accused wrongly. Where is God? Well, remember what God said. There's a day coming. Your brothers are going to bow to you and your mom and dad are going to bow. So something really good is going to happen. He's going to be a leader somewhere. So it gives him encouragement. So God just threw that into his life. Remember what we read, Psalms. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of his lives. Now, we go from hatred. Look at verse 11. Now, his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept this matter, the matter, in mind. So what's brewing in that home? Peace, love, and joy? No, what's brewing is hatred, anger, and extreme jealousy. Now watch what happens. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, Jacob, said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing their flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. In today's lesson, Pastor Mark warned parents of the dangers and consequences of favoring one child over another. You were shown how resentment can fester and become dislike and hatred, even to the point of wanting to murder a sibling. You were also reminded that God knows every person intimately, has a plan for each of them if they will choose to follow him. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Joseph, favored son, is sold into slavery. You'll hear about Joseph's faithful journey to find his brothers. You'll learn about the necessity of fostering a loving, equitable environment at home and what can happen when you don't. And Pastor Mark will be reminding you about God's ability to turn any bad situation into good. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.